Earlier this week, unexpectedly, I got a call from a press officer at the Royal Exchange. He was inviting me to come and meet the theatre's two artistic directors and the theatre's executive director for what turned out to be an interesting, almost hour-long interview about what's going on at the Royal Exchange. It is a theatre that seems to have been buffeted by the pandemic and one that is suffering some major problems coming out of COVID and trying to rebuild itself in this new world. That's been the focus of our reporting this week, and that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of the Manchester Weekly from the Mill. Hello there, welcome to this Sunday edition of the Manchester Weekly from the Mill. We are in your podcast feed every Sunday as well as Thursday these days with a deep dive into a story that's happening in Greater Manchester, some reporting from The Mill. I'm Daryl Morris. Yoshi Herman is the editor of The Mill, Manchester's quality newspaper, delivered direct to your inbox via email from the manchestermill.co.uk. And Yoshi, um, we are, we're taking a dive into the Royal Exchange, a, a, a jewel in our crown, isn't it? It's a beautiful part of the city centre, but it's also you know, a massively important part of uh, northern culture as well. And it is seemingly in a sticky spot. It seems to be in trouble, um, although it's, I think, a bit unclear how much trouble it's really in. Last week, the Mill reported about problems at the Royal Exchange. There's a cancelled summer show, which is quite a big deal. Um, we reported that the co-artistic director, um, a director, a very kind of talented young director called Roy Alexander Wise, that he was reportedly off work with stress. And we also reported that morale at the theatre was very low after lots and lots of job cuts during the pandemic. So that's what we've been reporting on this week. And I think the story that's emerged and that you can read about on the, on the mail if you if you go on our site now or if, you, if you're on our email list, it'll be in your inbox. We really try to just dig a little bit deeper and find out what's really going on, try and get a fair and accurate picture of um, just how bad things are at this, you know, very important theatre, as you say. So... Let's see if we can wrap our head around that now. And I guess one of the things, Yoshi, that we will all appreciate and we'll all be able to see and we all lived was the theatre, what they call going dark. That's when they don't put a show on, right? That happened out of COVID, actually, for the Royal Exchange, but also during COVID. And I wonder if those two things give us a bit of a sense of what's really going on here, that this is a, a dual problem. We all saw the, 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 the COVID pandemic really hammer the entertainment industry and the theatre industry and now it feels like while where others are finding their feet again the Royal Exchange isn't. Yeah it was a few months ago actually that someone pointed out that there hadn't been a show on for about six weeks at the Royal Exchange and that that was weird because normally in the winter you know people are more willing to go inside theatres to watch things so theatres tend to do all right in the winter. And there hadn't been a show for ages. And, and this one theatre figure I spoke to said, you know, it's just a little bit odd that. And, and so I, I did ask the Royal Exchange at that time, what's going on with this? Is there a problem? And I had a very, you know, friendly chatty call from a staff member there saying, no, no, no problem. We've got a great year ahead. We've got all these fantastic shows lined up. We're, we're recovering from the pandemic. So we didn't run a story. It's just one of those ones where, like, you, you think there's a story, then they could have satisfy you that there's not really a story. Um, so we didn't run anything. But what happened with this latest story we did, um, which is about 10 days ago now, about the cancellation of this summer show, when we put that to them, they didn't respond. No emails, no texts, no calls. I mean, you know, I was trying every way to get through to the press 
team and they didn't get back. I thought that was weird. It's quite unusual for a big organization not just not to reply because normally they, you know, they want to push back or give you some guidance or deny something or whatever. And that kind of to me felt like another indication that there were something wasn't quite right. So what happened after that story is I started to hear from different people, people who work there, people who've written plays for them, people who have acted there, people who used to work there and got laid off during the pandemic. And a picture started to emerge of, you know, an organisation that really got hit hard by the pandemic. I mean, one person said there's a big crisis of funding in British theatre and the Royal Exchange is at the hard end of that. The reasons it's at the hard end seem to be, A, it was one of the few regional theatres that kept hold of a lot of sort of in-house, you know, prop making and set making and um, costume making. It had a lot of very skilled people on staff and that meant its, you know, its fixed costs were very high. Another thing is that it had a very high proportion of its revenue from um, its own revenue, i.e. it earned that money, box office and shop and that kind of thing. Whereas only about 25% of its revenue came from public funding, effectively public subsidy via Manchester City Council, Greater Manchester um, Arts Fund. And kind of perversely that meant that when shows stopped they were harder hit than theatre companies who hadn't done such a good job of becoming self-reliant it almost punished people who had made their revenue very reliant on the box office because obviously the box office shut and the public subsidy carried on so that was another reason I think there's also the fact that it's a very unusual theatre it's a theatre in the round which is one of the really nice things about it but it also means that like it's a very sort of specialist theatre they needed a lot of specialist stuff it was in it meant a lot more cost on the on the kind of making side they also had a kind of um they have a very large audience compared to most regional theatres. So again, not having people in was was a big hit on revenue. They were in this enormous great hall of the Royal Exchange building. That I think most people will have been inside, like unbelievable hall. Apparently it's very, very expensive to heat. Their, their slightly kind of weird in the round theatre that's built in there is, is expensive to maintain. So there are lots of reasons why it was, it's been really hard hit. But effectively our reporting has... I think showed that a lot of people in the theatre world feel that the problems go beyond that. They're not just about the theatre having less money and putting on smaller shows and being more limited. They're also about the way that they did these layoffs, very, very heavy layoffs during the pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic. And we've spoken to people who were laid off, who we might want to talk about in a minute. They're also about the kind of artistic direction. People feel a bit like they don't know what the Royal Exchange is doing anymore. Is it about being extremely avant-garde and really original? Is it about being more broadly entertaining? There seems to be a kind of a sense of drift in, in the artistic direction of it. At least that's what that's how some of our readers who've got in touch, who go there a lot, have, have put it. So lots of different kind of issues. Um, clearly, they were dealt a very, very bad hand by the pandemic. I think the question is, how did they play that very bad hand? And it seems perhaps that they didn't play it particularly well. And the best insight uh, into that, I suppose, has come from the people that you've been speaking to this week, Yoshi, who've who've given you a real um, sense, I think, of how that process worked, right? I think that's probably the next most important thing to say is that there are question marks from some people over that process. Yeah, big question marks. There's a lot of anger. I mean, obviously, people who've been laid off by an organisation after working there for five years or 10 years or 20 years, they're going to be really hurt. 
But there are questions about whether the Royal Exchange needed to cut as early in the pandemic and as hard as it did. It made very, very serious cuts. And we've seen documents that indicated they were planning to get rid of 92 staff. They have said to me in this interview that they they gave me around around the, the table in the cafe earlier this week, They've said it was more like 59, so it's a little bit unclear there. But the people who've been laid off say it was done really badly, that they were not given the kind of support after their redundancy than they were expecting. For example, a couple of them mentioned that they were they, they were told during the redundancy period, if you guys go off and start your own little businesses or agencies or, or whatever, we will support you, we will big them up, we'll use our platform to kind of get you custom. And apparently that never happened. Some of them felt like they were promised professional development courses being paid for that weren't delivered. There were some courses delivered like Excel, perhaps, and and first aid, but people felt that was a bit of an insult compared to what they felt they'd been delivered. So there was clearly some aspects of that of that process of, of, of that redundancy that didn't feel to the people who were laid off like it was really in the ethos of the Royal Exchange. I think one person said to me, you know, they talk a big game about getting working class people into the theatre and reaching out to communities and, and that kind of thing. They've got all these principles that they talk about, but it, it's all talk because actually the way they treated their own people was was pretty shoddy. Um, to be fair, the Royal Exchange, you know, pushed back hard against that. They say they ran a really fair process. Um, they say they did offer some support after afterwards but it's you know it's quite sad talking to these people who are laid off because they loved the place it's not like getting laid off by a you know a city a bank in the city or something it was like they really felt an emotional connection to it one person said to me it was the most traumatic experience of my life you know most of us are trying to rebuild our lives she said but that sting is always there she said she felt betrayed and and not appreciated um and I think one of the really hard things for them was that the staff were kind of left fighting for a really small number of roles that were available in the restructuring. Uh, they were fighting for these kind of jobs. And one one person said to me, you know, you're fighting with everyone you've been working with to get these jobs. And it felt really awful. So clearly that was a really traumatic moment. I, th- I think I've spoken to five different people who are laid off now and None of them seem to think it was dealt with in the way that you would expect from an organisation that has these social values and this ethos. Mm, that is a real shame, isn't it? And as a as a theatre goer, Yoshi, you know, I must admit that yeah, I've been to the theatre a couple of times in the last couple of months, and none of those occasions were to the Royal Exchange. That cultural drift that you talk about, and I have no skin in the game here whatsoever. I'm just observing as a casual passerby who sometimes likes to go to the theatre. I've kind of noticed it in as much as you know, I, I'm not sort of rushing there. I also think that we've heard from somebody in the industry who went to see a production there that was that was kind of you know half empty, and where other theatres around the country and other theatres in the north that are that are kind of comparable have been able to get customers back and bums back on seats again, and, and plays doing really well, productions doing really well. The Royal Exchange kind of haven't. Is there something in in the way that the public are kind of engaging with the Royal Exchange that's a problem at the moment as well? I mean, I personally have not felt a huge desire to go to some of the shows they've had on since, you know, in in the past year. That's a very subjective thing. I think a a slightly more objective um, perspective came from one of our readers, a guy called John, um, who wrote in, and he goes to loads of shows at loads of theatres across the North. And he said... um, He's been to shows at the Royal Exchange that were very poorly attended, and he's been to shows in Hull and Leeds and Liverpool since the pandemic, Sheffield, that were much better attended. And I, his point was that those theatres seem to have a stronger sense of who their target audience is. They're get winning people back after the COVID closures by putting on work that's 
a little bit more accessible. Maybe it's a little bit less intellectual and avant-garde, but it's getting bums on seats. He talked about, you know, shows that, um, you know, I, I don't know specifically which shows these um, theatres are putting on, but he, he thought that the Royal Exchange, as someone who goes to a lot of theatre, he feels like the Royal Exchange has maybe been prioritising ideological purity, as he put it, over the over the kind of commercial get people back in. You know, you can understand that the Royal Exchange wants to, ha- wants to be groundbreaking because that's the whole point of subsidised theatre. Otherwise, you're just, you know, you, you, you're a commercial theatre that doesn't get public subsidy and, and, and that fills up with, with crowd-loving shows. So... You know, that that was the perspective of one person. A couple of people have said that to me. The thing about artistic drift is it's really hard for me as a, like a non-theatre expert to really weigh in on that too much. But the Royal Exchange used to have a particular identity, as, as, as one person put it, as a place where big actors would come up from London and they would do work that was a little edgier and where they would play roles in a way that was kind of a bit more exciting, a bit more sort of chains off than, than, than they were in London and that it's lost that edge. So look, this is all a little bit, I guess, subjective. I, I think each person goes to the theatre for like different reasons and sees the theatre in different ways. So I think the Royal Exchange used to have this enormous reputation. It used to have a lot more money. It used to have a lot more staff. That's particularly stark now after these big cuts. And there is a sense from some of the sources I've spoken to that there's a little bit of a sense of drift and a little bit of a question of, okay, so what is the Royal Exchange going to be about now? What is it really going to be for? There's an interesting document that I saw that I was sent by someone, and it was a memo that was sent out by the artistic directors during the pandemic. And in that document, they talked about reprioritizing, right? And what they were basically saying is, we want to focus a bit more of our energy, or maybe much more of our energy, on community outreach, on our impact on on, on reaching communities and teaching people about the theater and having, you know, affecting positive social change. Obviously, that's you know that that will sound to a lot of people like a really good thing, um, but perhaps there are questions about like what what do theatres really need to be now in order to get government funding? They have to tick all these boxes about proving they do this and they do that in, in the community. I think some of those community things are really good, but has it resulted in a in a bit of a, a lack of focus on on what they're actually putting on and getting audiences back in? Certainly, their Christmas show last year um, was one where you know some people in the theatre world were a bit like, I don't really understand this. I don't understand why this. Um, show based on I think it was Scottish folklore I have to admit I didn't go why that was the one they chose in in the Christmas when you're trying to you know woo audiences back so there are lots of questions about this some of this is in 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 the piece that that we've done Um, but clearly there are questions here for the Royal Exchange and and just to be fair to them you know when I met them they said they're really excited Bryony Shanahan who is the other artistic director and also the co-CEO she said you know we're growing again um, we're really looking forward to the to the future we've got great stuff coming up um, you know she she put a really brave face on the situation and, and I think it's important to point out that there are definitely people working there who you know who, who feel positive about the future or, or at least you know that's what they were saying. I also get the sense, as you were saying earlier, Yoshi, that the staff think that as well. You know, as hard done by as some of those who want to talk to you are, they are also deeply passionate about it, about the Royal Exchange. About yeah, there was an interesting moment, actually. I was meeting in person with an, a staff member who'd been laid off and who was really, really sore about it and really had been there for a long time. You know, and, and, and that staff member did say to me, I don't write a hatchet job. You know, you're sitting there for an hour talking to a journalist, but you're like, don't write a hatchet job. And I said, yeah, of course not, but what do you mean? And that person said, 
you know, I really still feel an affinity with this place. Like, I, I can't shake that. I was there for so long. I loved it for so much. I believed in it. That's why it's so sad about these people, you know. They still love it. And a lot of people in Manchester feel this kind of emotional connection to the Royal Exchange, partly because of the building it's in, I think partly because it's it emerged in the 70s and became this really interesting northern, very distinctively northern way of doing theatre. And I think... It would be there, there, there's a lot of feeling of God. It would be an absolute tragedy if it if it wasn't able to get back to its best, or even if it was um, threatened with with closure. So uh, it's you know I I think we as the mill you know we're in the same building and we go to the shows and stuff. I think we feel like you know this is an important cultural institution and it deserves to be scrutinised in it, uh, just like like anything else. But also that there's a value in scrutinising these important institutions because, you know, if, if people aren't asking questions, then perhaps that feeds into um, some of the drift and, and, and maybe it's, it's good to have these things exposed. I don't know why I'm trying to explain myself. It's just basic journalism, what we've done. But, you know, it's are you, because they're in the building, it's kind of like a bit like, what are you doing? You know, are you putting the knife into your neighbours? And I don't think we are. I think what we're trying to do is show that um, this is this this is an organisation that matters to a lot of people, and some of the people who used to work there, and some of the people who still work there, and lots of people who go there feel like, you know, they're really hoping that its next couple of years can be um, can see some sort of um, return to the kind of form it used to show and the kind of distinctiveness and originality it used to show. Yeah, I also think the reason you feel like that is the reason I feel like that is because we're willing it on, aren't we? You know, it's it's it is such an important part of our cultural landscape here and a beautiful place that we all have an affinity with. So we're, of course, willing it on. More details on the ins and outs of what's happening at the Royal Exchange Theatre on The Mill. You can get that uh, in your inbox, by email, uh, all through the week. It's a cracking read. It takes deep dives into stories like this and gives you some tips and some hints on what to do in and around Greater Manchester. Don't forget to subscribe to that. Manchestermill.co.uk is how you get the mill in your inbox all week long. We are back on Thursday for a full news briefing, the Manchester Weekly, back in your podcast feed on Thursday. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you get notified about it first. <laughs>